Though touted as perhaps the best in the world, the American medical system is filled with hypocrisies. Our healthcare is staggeringly expensive, yet one in six Americans has no health insurance. We have some of the, the most skilled physicians in the world, yet 100,000 patients die each year for medical errors. Going beyond sick care requires informed and empowered patients. This is achievable through price transparency and unbiased quality care that meets both public and private health insurance regulations. This podcast aims to explore the intricacies of quality patient care through thought-provoking conversations with providers, healthcare executives, corporate CEOs, technologists, and patients. We'll also seek to provide you with simplified actionable paths to feeling good and living well. This is the Empowered Patient Podcast, and today we have on the call Justin. And Justin is um, he's a marketing guru. And um, he's going to be giving us a little bit of his background shortly. But before we get into the conversation, I, I really would like to have find out. I want our audience to find out a bit of what Justin do outside of work. So, Justin, welcome. Yeah, to the thanks show. for having me. I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. I think there's a lot of uh, practitioners and people in the healthcare field that can use this advice at this time to help improve patient care and reach more people. So I'm excited about it. Thanks again for having me on. Excellent, excellent. So, Justin, um, as far as travel destination, what are your favorite travel destinations? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a Floridian at heart. I was born and raised there. So, people always say beach or mountains, and I'm definitely the beach guy. Uh, that's just kind of, I uh, feel like I was born in the ocean. So, I would say definitely over the years, the travels that I've been able to do in the islands or Hawaii, I'd say one in particular where me and my lovely wife, Kelly, got to go to a uh, nature preserve area in South Jamaica called Blue Fields. And there's um, a group out of DC that owns eight villas there. And it was the most incredible experience that I've ever had. Like really wine and dine you really what you want your, your honeymoon to be, have a private chef and all of that stuff. So that was not only just because it was on the water, but just the experience as a whole was, was something that I'll never forget my whole entire life. So that was very cool, but I definitely say anything tropical, anything islands uh, I'm there. That's amazing. So did you, did you plan it or um, was it your wife's idea? So I actually ran into it. We were doing some research. We knew we wanted to do all-inclusive because, as you know, vacations uh, can kind of weigh on you from a budget standpoint, especially when you're planning for a wedding and planning for a honeymoon. So we knew we wanted to do something all-inclusive, but we wanted something a little bit more off the beaten path on, like, say, sandals or something. And I did tons of research and ran into this, and it coincided perfectly to the end of their slow season before the start of their busy season. And it was just so happened to be the last week of slow season was the week after our wedding. So it just kind of all the stars aligned and it ended up being perfect. So it just kind of was an internet thing doing a lot of searching and, and I'm glad we found it. It was amazing. Um, that's, that's awesome. Cause I was, I was wondering who found it first, who, who got the brown. I found it, but she had to approve it. So I had to do a lot of pitching on yes. <laughs> the fact that they, they'll serve you Caribbean lobster was, and it was, uh, made it an easier in. Amazing. Amazing. So you got yeah, her. Oh food. yeah. <laughs> food and infinity pool and, and, uh, private cave. We're, we're all, we're all winners. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, quickly too, what are your top three books um, you will say 
that have changed it or transformed yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's two there's kind of four total, but two of them are in the same vein. Uh, Built to Sell, and then obviously I think a lot of listeners will know E Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Both of those I think have been really revolutionary for me, especially early on in our business, understanding the power of business systems that really specializing. Um, as well as developing good systems for your people and your processes were big. And so those are great. The power of habit is another really big one that I love about just what, how you develop habits and how you treat change habits. And even has some really good illustrations in there about looking at marketing case studies as they relate to the human psyche. So like um, Procter and Gamble and the development of Febreze, which is like one of the most ingenious marketing campaigns of all time. So that's a really good one. I'd recommend checking out both for your personal life as well as professional. And then I got to give a shameless plug to my dad. He is a, an author of two books and probably one of the most learned people I think in the world on the topic of leadership. And he wrote a book called it's all about leadership, how to be a leader worth following and it addresses some biblical principles, but at, I mean, obviously at the heart of it, it's just how, how you can develop your skill set as a leader so people actually want to follow you. Because at the end of the day, you can try to do everything right, but if people don't want to follow you, it doesn't matter how you're not being an effective leader. So I'd say those are my, my biggest ones because they kind of encompass all aspects of life. That's amazing. And I, and I, I like both the leadership books because um, you and you you mentioned that those are um, at least the faith based ball. It kind of it kind of give, gives to the idea if you have thirty three years um, that Christ spent on on earth, right? You only got thirty three years. You you got to do a lot in those thirty three years to be still memorable at this time, and people still following you and your um and the legacy of faith that you lived. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more for sure. Amazing, amazing, and um, you're, clearly you you got your wife to to buy in on the on the Jamaican trip. So you brought her in with the with foods. What are your favorite that you and her you yourself and probably her um as a family like from a food share? perspective? That's a great question. We yep. are really into seafood. Again, I think it just kind of all goes back to being from Florida. I mean I'd say some of our favorite things are 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 fresh seafood prepared in really simple ways. I mean, shrimp boils and crawfish boils. Her family's from the New Orleans area, part of hers. And uh I'd say that's really one of the big ones that we share in common. I've got I've got kind of soul food in my background. Both of my parents are from West Tennessee, so I grew up um more in the the grits and fried food and all of those kind of things. But I think where Kelly and I both kind of met is the love for seafood and and um the uh, as fresh as it can get. She grew up going to the Keys every year and got me in love with with Caribbean lobster and doing many lobster seasons and all that stuff. So I definitely think that's both of us share that love for uh, for seafood straight out of the water, as simple and fresh as you can get. Amazing. You guys feel free to adopt me because I'm a oh, oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's the only thing that I could survive that is close to vegetarian. I'm definitely a meat eater, but think I could do pretty well with a pescatarian lifestyle uh, if I had access to the to, to uh, enough seafood for sure. Amazing, amazing. So here a little bit. Um, can you tell us, um, tell the audiences just a bit about your background? I know we've gotten gotten a bit on a personal side. Um, you mind giving a a little yeah, absolutely. Background? 
So as I mentioned, I got my career started. Um, my background was in finance. I got out and figured out it wasn't like the movies that it was much more uh, just kind of point and click and just wasn't didn't fit my personality. So I was fortunate to land with an early stage investing group out of Orlando very early on, which was great because I got to kind of do everything from like be the secretary all the way to the director of investments, got to see all sides of starting businesses, funding businesses, finding human capital, developing marketing programs, really all of those components. So it was uh, definitely drinking from a fire hose, but looking back, there were just so many lessons learned, I think there. And I made that transition almost 10 years ago over into marketing uh, when there really wasn't an established early stage investing scene in Atlanta. And I was living in Orlando, but made the move up to Atlanta and was finding it hard to get into that community because it wasn't there yet like it is now. Um, and so I, we started actually kind of, I jumped both feet in at the age of 25 and started my healthcare marketing agency, Entropy Healthcare Marketing. Fast forward now, closing in on 10 years, uh, we've been very fortunate in our growth and my our specialty is helping healthcare organizations and specialty medical practices establish their brand voice and develop what we call patient-centric marketing programs to reach new patients, grow their practice, and hopefully improve patient care all at the same time. And my love and passion really lies in kind of those digital marketing um avenues of advertising and SEO. And then also I have a love for storytelling and, and content creation, thus being a guest on your podcast and the podcast that we have. So that's a little bit about my background. Like I said, we've been, we're closing in on 10 years. Um, and then we also have, I am a co-owner in my wife's business as well, which is kind of the first of its kind physician liaison training platform as well that we developed to help physician liaisons get uh, better training that's more applicable to them outside of kind of just sales training. So that's a little bit about my background, but my skill set and love definitely falls in the digital marketing arena and leveraging um, search engine optimization and, and digital advertising to grow your practice. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that, Justin. So there, there, we're in we're in a time that where everything is very uneasy, and it's uneasy for Health, um, healthcare workers, physicians alike, um, due to COVID nineteen, and it's so it's so ever important for physicians to stay relevant as they're Absolutely. told to stay home, to re revolutionize how they do do and deliver care. What are your advice to clinicians that are trying to figure this thing out and the Surviving in this pandemic. Yeah, pandemic absolutely. I, I think that's currently. that's definitely been the million dollar question. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of factors to consider. If, are you working for a hospital organization? Are you on the front lines in a hospital? Or are you, in, are you in a private practice setting? I think so. There's a lot of different ways that this is affecting um, both frontline as well as maybe more elective style providers. I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is the willingness to adapt and pivot uh, to still, uh, what I'm saying, like kind of leverage your medical degree, whether you're a medical doctor or an NP or a mid-level, being willing to 
kind of follow the flow and help where you can. I think the biggest, there was kind of a gut re or uh, I think a knee jerk reaction to just kind of shut down, especially if you're in the private practice world um, and a specialty doctor. And I think that I've had conversations with, we have some providers, one in particular that is one of the few in Atlanta that's doing frontline COVID testing. And he's kind of opened his practice with open arms. He was a concierge practice, converted it to primary care and is now doing large scale testing in his facility. And we set him up year, two years ago, actually, on telemedicine. So it was an easy transition for him. But we had a long conversation about this kind of when everything broke loose and kind of the hysteria started. And his biggest thing was we need providers running toward the problem, not away. And we need people to figure out how they can help, how they can, whether it is frontline COVID testing or it's just simply maybe you're an oncology practice, getting your virtual doors back open so you can be engaged and check in on your patients and provide value. So I think the big thing is being willing to adapt and being willing to figure out what you can do to provide value, stay relevant, um, especially in a digital environment. So that's been the biggest thing is, is adaption is, is what we're coining pivoting, being willing to pivot as best as you can, as quick as you can. Um, but then also be smart about it is protect yourself and, and protect your, your employees that are working for you. If you're in a healthcare organization, do what you can for, with social distancing. Yeah. And, and that's so critical, as you mentioned that, right. That protecting yourself, um, having the opportunity to pivot. I, I had here one of our, um, a um, Dr. Whitney Christian, she's a family family physician, mm -hmm. and she was shared with me that on a Sunday she was she was actually she had a, her her um, I was doing a recording with her. She had her son with her, and um, she on that Sunday she was she she was scheduled to see a patient um, patient in person, but she was actually set, uh, moving them from in person to virtual to, for, to do telehealth um, and, and literally, so with that, with, with that, you see oh, yeah. a truly transition into online. Um, but more importantly, recently too, it, it, this is more, it's a bit devastating where one of her, she, she, she was, she was doing an in-person care delivery and one of her patients, um, not sure if, she, if the patient knew, mm -hmm. but she, the patient had COVID-19 um she, it was affected and and now that and um as a result she was forced to be um self-quarantine her, her her young son mrs mommy um the dad posted this on on linkedin as well this is the kind of the devastating effect of um of a physician that may not know exactly that, hey, you might have COVID-19 yep. oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, and right. I know we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, but one of the big things is I think too, even from a practice standpoint, if you really want to, and again, if it's not going to be a game changer, like you're going to do this huge pivot or you're going to start doing COVID-19 testing. I think that on the patient front though, there's just a lot of kind of anxiety inducing like what next and what do I do kind of things. And I think just a lack of information that a lot of practices, uh, most hospitals have gotten on board pretty quickly, but a lot of practices are providing as simple as 
Is your OBGYN open? Is your like all of these practices, some of them you can go on, you can do a quick search in your area and you may find 10, 15, 20 of them that have no COVID related information or telemedicine related information on their website at all. It's like, where does that leave their patients? Like they, they call to leave a voicemail and it's like, well, you need to go online to book a telemedicine visit. And then you go online on their website and you can't find any telemedicine information to book an appointment. So you're stuck in this like crazy weird loop of being on just completely cut off from a provider that you could be relying on for medication management or, um, or check-ins, or maybe you have an autoimmune disease, whatever it may be. And that's the big thing is there's little things that you can do to even provide value to your client, to your patients. And a lot of people are, aren't doing that right now. And I think it's just doubling down on kind of the, the feeling of isolation that patients are experiencing right now. And that, that, that isolation, that, so you hit on a couple of things. You hit on OBGYN, and now you, you just hit on isolation itself. So isolation in this decentralized environment that we're in, and we're all told to stay home. Uh, many people are saying they are, especially those that are depressed already, right? They have some, mental, some level of mental, uh, mental health, and they're struggling. They're depressed already, and now they're, they're told to stay home. Oh yeah, um, it's like it the is. wall that closing in, literally. And those individuals may need they they need, they need access not only to a primary care physician, they need access to a psychiatry, psychologist. So how do you talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist that may be a little bit older as opposed to a younger one that that um that uh, um to get on to get to get to get with this program on telehealth right to provide access to their to provide access to um to their patient virtually because i'm not sure what you're noticing out there are, are more clinicians depending on what it, who are the ones that are more able to adjust and and adapt and actually get on a trend of yeah i think there's definitely been i mean it's Obviously, addressing it in different ways between the, as you mentioned, what we call kind of the gray hair providers. So the older, the older group of physicians that are maybe 50, 55 plus, and then obviously you got the younger ones that are a little bit more technologically savvy, especially in the mental health space, there is a massive opportunity. It's been around for a little while and very, uh, already been embraced from a CMS standpoint when it comes to kind of IDC coding and billing from a telehealth perspective. So it's been a pretty easy transition from that standpoint. But the big thing is, and we're doing it for providers, uh, I even have a case study that I can mention is the mental health space is set up really, 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 really well to be able to continue to see patients, not only in your geographical market, but really now across the country or even globally we have one of our clients that sees tons of patients from New Zealand. Um, and so there's just a huge opportunity if you're willing to either, if you're unfamiliar with it, find somebody, say like myself, who is, or there probably are people even in your organization that may have been throttled down. Like we've been talking to a lot of physician liaisons, actually Kelly has, about right now you can't go out and see patients or see providers and build referral relationships. So one of the things that you can be doing is if you do have an older provider in your facility, sit them down in front of a computer and tell them, get a cup of coffee, 
and start thinking at a clinical level and I'll handle the rest. I'll get you onto a telemedicine platform. I'll send the emails to get the patients booked. And there's other things you can do to streamline it. But at the end of the day, just finding a software, whether it's even uh, Google Hangouts or Zoom Healthcare or Skype for Business, one of those readily available platforms or even FaceTime right now, there's so many different options. So find the support inside of your practice. You probably got people right there if you're not able to see patients that you can start seeing immediately. But of all of the spaces right now that should be seeing telehealth patients and should be seeing a lot of them are mental health and behavioral health, um, it, This that area of the world. I mean, we're doing it for a lot of our providers and we've never seen search growth or digital advertising growth like we have in that space. So that's a huge, huge area. And as you alluded to, there's a lot of patients dealing with a lot of high levels of anxiety right now, and you can provide a lot of value to them. That's super helpful because this is, it's an opportunity for patients to continue that continuity of care. Because right now the anxiety is, 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 pretty high. Um, people don't want to stay home and we don't know when we're going to return back to work. And most individuals don't know when they're returning back to work. So this is, this is, this is, this is good information to know that providers are, are willing, are willing and able to adapt and get online. And if they're not, like I said, they should just reach um, out, like just reach out to somebody. There's tons of people so, out there, whether it's the actual telemedicine software providers or people like, our organization who have pivoted to what we're calling telemedicine marketing. So it's not about, we don't sell software. What we sell is helping improve patient adoption and, and flow through rates. And whether it's us or it's like I mentioned, somebody in your organization, there's somebody within arm's length of you that's technologically savvy enough to get you to at least be able to be in a virtual meeting room and see patients and bill insurance for your time and help them in the same, at the same time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and, and and we we as an organization we can help with that as well. So, um, besides host besides besides hosting this podcast, um, I'm the CEO of um, Inno of Cares, and we are a telehealth and wellness company ourselves. Um, so we we've we've we have we have both an iOS version and an Android version for both patients and providers. Excellent. So they can be able to see. Um, it's like more of an end to end solution. Yep. Um. So we we we, 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 we can help them, but um, there are so many many resources out there in order for us to as patients to cope, um, to be still have access to our providers. Um, my heart goes out to even elderly patients as well. Um, they're probably dealing with the most of it yeah. too. Um, this isolation. I'm assuming elderly patients are probably definitely dealing with it, not just the younger patients with isolation, but elderly patients that have the most vulnerability oh, yeah. um, health-wise, right? Um, 65 years plus years old. And I think that's a big thing. We actually COVID-19. did a family Zoom call. We've been doing it with both sides of our families just to really stay connected, obviously, during this time because we can't, we can't see each other. And it was interesting to me to watch one of the older sets of parents, I won't name who, but (laughs) had a lot of difficulty getting onto Zoom. It took about 30 minutes to get it all set up. 
And those are the things you don't think about as far as the, the, those issues that people can be running into. So I think uh, one of your, uh, we're, we're re highly recommending that all practices have a backup telehealth solution because these telehealth platforms have never been stretched like this before from a bandwidth perspective. So we are seeing latency or even downtime issues, especially if you're a busier practice that is relying heavily on telehealth. You need to make sure that you've got a backup and a what if scenario. And I think one of the big things to keep in mind is that if you can, you should find something that has an option for a one click, what we call kind of a magic link. So if you run into your normal solution, just cannot get somebody in a room, they're really struggling with it. You can always send them just a link that they can just click and get into a room because otherwise you may not be able to provide the telehealth because they simply don't know. Do you download the zoom app? Don't you, how do you register? You have to kind of assume what we call the kiss, keep it simple, stupid. So that's another thing that we're finding. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and, and I love, I love that. Um, simplicity is definitely uh, a key in telehealth and some of us are, are the providers of telehealth services and the softwares. We, we ensure of that as well. Um, and one of the, one of the thing too is for you personally, you mentioned that parents, sets of parents are 65 years old or have, um, have difficulty with technology. And um, so it's cool that to see that you're actually engaging with them, explaining to them. I'm sure, I'm sure they're like, their, their, their smile brighten up when you are able to explain, okay, this is how uh, Zoom work um, or FaceTime work to be able to um, get, get the entire family on. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, which is literally what telehealth is, right? And it, it closes the boundary of um, social distancing. You, do, you can social distance, which is what oh, yeah. we all should be doing, right? And, that, and that's really but important. I mean, I still think be connected. If you are struggling and you're out there with the social distancing is, uh, I mean, you've got... I mean, it's it's just how would you normally engage with your your friends and your family? Do that from a virtual standpoint and whether it's FaceTime or something, you've got to stay really connected. I mean, even from a networking standpoint, what used to be in person, like we're trying to encourage like chambers of commerce, like their networking events shouldn't stop. They should continue, but they can do it in a virtual capacity. So there's tons of ways that you can still stay connected, even where we do. On Thursday nights, for instance, one another fellow healthcare marketer that owns an um, an agency, he hosts a kind of a, what's like a toast networking event. So everybody has a drink. It's like around eight o'clock at night, and we there's not a huge group of us, but it's a ten to fifteen, and we all stay connected. We share stories, we answer questions that he has that are very thought provoking, and everybody has a cocktail, and you just kind of share share some time and you leave feeling refreshed and reconnected. And that's a big thing that I think people should do um, in all areas of, of both personal and business is, is leverage technology to, to stay engaged with your family, your friends and your business associates. And that makes sense. So it's like business shouldn't stop. Um, you can actually just transform and pivot to virtually. You can have night, as you mentioned, exactly. you can actually have we had uh, I saw the uh, other day an article online, Walmart right. was saying um, that they've they've <laughs> been selling a substantial more, which I thought was excellent, a substantial more tops 
than bottoms clothing wise because everybody's at home and it's just kind of like party down below business at top <laughs> and that's what they've said that they've seen an actual dis <laughs> large disparity between the number of tops being purchased over the last like six weeks and the number of bottoms because everybody's just like i need some i need some new get-ups for my zoom calls but i'm gonna wear i'm gonna wear sweatpants down below <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I this, you know that that gets me to thinking: Will we be able to sustain or or move and really adopt the work from home philosophy, right? Or um, telecommute um, to be able to really engage and still post once we get through this um, COVID nineteen and um, decentralize yeah. our work environment. I wonder, I, I wonder if that's an opportunity that employers um, that are usually set in stone about people going into work um, will, ad will adapt. And, I do and think, I think there's the always an, an a lasting ripple effect that occurs with events of this magnitude. I think I was, like I said, I was, I was 25 when we started our agency, but when, when I got out of school, was 11, which was the height of the recession. So I was up against a stack of MBAs when I was trying to get into the finance world initially. I'd be up, I'd go interview even close personal, like longtime family friends who you'd think would have no, no problem hiring a kid out of college that they've known the parents for years. I mean, even them would look at me and be like, look, I've got a stack a hundred deep of, of, of Crummer MBAs. I went to Rollins University, one of the best MBA programs in the country or Harvard or Wharton Business School. And they've got three to five years of experience. Like I just can't, I can't justify hiring you over them. And I, I think that in the midst of that, I think companies learned for a long time how to run very lean because they had trimmed down and they had survived and they had begun to grow as they came out of the recession. And I do think as a result, it took a long time for the hiring to come back. And I use that example not to say here, but I think that with the adoption of virtual technology, there will be, I think, an everlasting shift toward leveraging a digital environment for sales and networking and growth and those kind of things uh, moving forward. So I do think that there will be something that will stay around for really forever moving forward as a result of, um, of COVID-19. And it's an excellent point you made, because I think that's, we, we see great companies like um, the, yep. the, 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 the Darling Childs, the Facebook, um, the, 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 um, the WhatsApp, the Instagram, those are uh, most of those, some of those, some of those companies at the height of, um, yep. Of the financial meltdown. And I think organizations need to be aware right. of that. Like I had a talk with a, a, so a sales person at a large med device company, and they've really never had like an organized kind of online sales training program. Obviously, when you get hired as a sale, medical sales rep, you go through a rigorous sales training process about how you sell their product and how you open the doors. Well, all of that stuff is very, very foundationally face to face. But what are they doing knowing that the landscape has changed to begin to invest in their employees to better leverage LinkedIn, better leverage email, 
better leverage video to open doors and differentiate yourselves. Like those are the things that organizations need to be thinking of long-term realizing that, A, what if this happens again? How will you be ready? And B, now we, we do realize that that for the foreseeable future, we've got online as the answer. What are you doing to reinvest in your in your employees so they become more effective at online online marketing and online sales? And and it's not and, and as you mentioned, it's not only online. Even healthcare should adopt this too. Not just currently. I mean, we have we have yeah. in the oh, system yeah. currently we have capacity issue. We yeah. we talk about ER the ER being overloaded, um, healthcare systems being overloaded. This is the time for them to truly adopt that. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and again, I think like we preached a lot from a profit to practices, the, the ability for surgeons to leverage mid-levels um, to handle post-operative follow-ups and those kind of things, obviously that improve your margins. And uh, I think that that's the same here is as you get better integrated with telehealth, how can you leverage it to make it easier on the patient and, a, and whether it's a post-operative or just staying connected, but starting to use those tools to potentially create more bandwidth, make it easier on your patients and improve profitability in your practices is I think this is a, a, something they need to be thinking about too moving forward is could I see twice the patient's by leveraging telehealth and potentially almost like locum providers use remote mid-levels to potentially even see patients in a follow-up capacity or medic or medication management capacity, those kind of things to improve profitability of the practice. Makes total sense. And Justin, we really appreciate you being here. I, I want to leave with one question, right? Yeah. Well, um, one or two questions that you can actually answer here. Um, billboard wise right this is where we come to value what will it what will what will be your legacy um i think like one of the big things and i was really value? thinking of kind of this time period and and even talking to a lot of, of friends or colleagues that are not in this space and obviously we've been been fortunate from a healthcare standpoint to not only stay busy but to grow but obviously there's a lot of people out there, not so fortunate. A lot of my family is in the restaurant industry and they've been hit very hard, especially the fine dining restaurant industry right now. But I think one of the big things that at least I've been trying to do both on a personal and a professional level that I think would resonate for me big time if I, if I wanted to communicate to, to drivers by in a billboard is a simple put is I'm growing or you from a thought provoking standpoint of uh, what are you doing, whether it's personally or professionally investing in continuing education or reading books or going for longer walks for the first time or adopting an animal adoption rates have been at an all time high for dogs. Like what are you doing to come out of this on the other side as a better husband or a better um, family member or a better business leader or adding more value to your company? Like, are you growing through this process? And I think that's one of the biggest things is it doesn't always correlate to maybe bottom line earnings if you're at home and furloughed as a result of this, but what are you doing to invest in yourself? So when we do get on the other side of this, you're not sitting in the same place that you were three months ago before this happened. makes total sense helpful it is literally 
invest in yourself while you have this downtime if you're home if you're at home and better yet take that opportunity to learn new skill sets um so that you come out of come out of um we, we all th- come out of it thriving as opposed to um looking at the bad yeah. side of it as well this is a good hindsight that, exactly yeah, and I, like I, I got like you just mentioned from a hindsight pe- perspective is in a what if scenario what if this were to happen again how would you make sure that you've got a backup plan from that standpoint of, 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 of investing in yourself, get better from an online standpoint or whatever it may be. Um, so you've got more tools in your tool belt and you're more diversified. So um, you can continue to grow and support your family. Those kind of things are things that I would, I would be thinking about, but that would be my thing. I think as I'm growing or you is, is I'm trying to make a concerted effort on both sides, both professionally and, and personally to do more, to do more things that I wouldn't typically do or learn more things that I may be deficient in those kind of things. Excellent. Justin, thank you again for joining us. Um, and um, I, I, I believe the audience will find a great value. In yeah. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to connect with y'all. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, again, my name is Justin Knott, K-N-O-T-T. So if you search for me and then uh, make sure y'all check out my uh, website, entropy, I-N-T-R-E-P-Y, entropy.com. Uh, so hopefully I can connect with everybody that's out there listening. Make sure you reach out. And if there's any way that we can help, or if you have any questions or feedback, uh, please feel free to reach out over LinkedIn. And thanks again for having me. I really enjoyed it. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we will have all, we'll also have this on, um, we'll have this on our website. We'll post, we'll post the, um, the resources and the recommendations awesome. in as well. Well, as thank you again for the time. I really enjoyed it. Too. Our state of well-being decides our rate of productivity. This is why the health of your employees are important to you, like that of an athlete is important to the coach. Even though the access to healthcare is sometimes unaffordable and time-consuming for most people, Marie still cares about her employees' well-being, so she signs everyone up on Inov Cares. Inov Cares is a telehealth and wellness platform that brings affordable healthcare services to people wherever they are. Marie's employees do not need to wait in line to book an appointment with a doctor. All they have to do is grab their phone and get connected to a doctor or any healthcare provider at just a few clicks. They have access to health specialists at the very best price and get the very best lifestyle tips to avoid chronic diseases. Matt, on the other hand, is a soccer coach and has all his players signed up on Inov Cares. Apart from getting the best healthy lifestyle tips, they get connected to the right healthcare provider in case they get an injury and the recovery process is being followed up. Get rewards, join the health tribe, connect health devices, tick your action list and spend more time with a healthcare team with Inov Cares. Download your Inov Cares app on Google Play Store or Apple Store now.